Amen. So tonight, <clears throat> we're gonna, um, I'm going to exhort you a little bit more in the vein of um, witnessing. That pastor's been um, walking heavily, heavily on that. When I turned in my outline, he said that um, um, signs, wonders, and miracles was confirmed with the outline. So that was good news to me to let me know that I was going to talk about what the Lord was wanting to talk about and what he was in full agreement with as the pastor. So um, if you could put it on the screen, the scripture, we're going to start off with Mark 16 um, and 14 through 20, and that's in the New, Kings James, New King James Version, Mark 16, 14 through 20. And the title of what we're sharing tonight is cast out your nets, okay? So, um, and we're going we're gonna to deal with the casting out of the nets, but um, I kind of mentioned this when I was, I just real, felt real impressed last Sunday when I was doing prayer to just kind of veer off and just kind of talk about this. So we're going to read this um, scripture passage. Um, the title of it, um, in the in the New King James Version is the Great Commission. Verse 14 reads, Later he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Verse 17, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Uh, verse 19, it says, Christ ascends to God's right hand. It says, so then after the Lord had spoken to them, he's, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through accompanying signs. Amen. And if you would put um, 35 minutes on the clock for me, Pastor gave strict instructions that that's all I had. So, and I've, I, for some reason, I've gotten almost as long-winded as he has sometime. I think he's rubbed off on me. So I need the clock. <laughs> um, so in 2023, after moving into our building uh, last year, I sat on my beautiful backyard swing that my husband bought and I was praying in the spirit and I began to sense an urgency for sharing faith in a, in a more peculiar way than usual. I sensed it had to do specifically with our church and I began to pray and I said, okay, Lord, what can I do? And as I began to strategize about what I could personally do, um, I began to feel like on this round, cause you know, pastor and I, we've been ministering and, and evangelizing for years, but on this round, I felt like the mandate was more heavy on the leaders of our church and our members that serve in addition to us. And um, I thought that was a little weird, so I shared it with Pastor. 
And he stated he had already been in that vein and praying and getting ready to amp up even more, particularly for the next leg. And that is where we are in the scheme of things right now in our church. So I wanted to start off uh, this message, and this is, like I say, some ex exhortation and encouragement. I want to start off by talking about uh, my first experience with um, sharing Christ after I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, I had, you, you know, I just started, I'd, I'd been ministering with pastor, but then I wanted to know the Lord in that way for myself. And so I began to tell the Lord, you know, God, just use me. I'm available. I'm, I'm willing. You know, I, 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 I committed to bow out of fear. And I told the Lord, I was like, whenever, whenever you want me to strike, just let me know. And I know it's going to be you because I know the devil is not going to tell me to, to witness and share you with anybody. I'm not going to tell myself because I'm actually scared to do it. So I know if I feel like I'm, wit I'm supposed to witness and share your love with somebody, it's going to be definitely you. And when I get that nudge, I'm going to do it. So one day I went to a little uh, convenience store. I think Rundy the Third was probably about a year and a half old. I had him in the stroller and I had put him in the car and it was a, a, a little older Chinese lady walking down the sidewalk. And you could tell that she was oppressed, you know. Um, she wasn't saved, she was just, she just, oppression was just all over her. And um, the Lord was like, okay, there's your chance. And I was like, and I, you know, I say, a Chinese lady, Lord? You know, that's where you're gonna start me? You, you know, because it was new, you know? And, um, that was hard. And then also knowing, thinking probably that there was a, a language barrier as well. So I'm like, how am I, how am I gonna do this? And so the Holy Spirit was like, this is what you asked for. So I went to the lady and I started talking to her. And she actually, she, she didn't speak English really, really well, but she spoke just enough to understand what I was saying. And so I began to talk to her about the Lord and. Um, share what it means to, to receive Jesus Christ into our heart. And she then, I asked her, did she want to pray to receive Jesus? And she said, yes. I was so surprised. And it didn't take long. She, she, she caught on to what I was saying. Um, I prayed the prayer of salvation. And immediately, and you know, like I said, I was dealing with timidity back then. Um, and so when I, when I began to lead her in the prayer, she began to have like manifestation, like she couldn't even say the name of Jesus and she couldn't say Christ. She, like I would give her some things to say and she would make these funny noises, like these little squeal sounds. And so I committed to her, I told her, I said, that's okay. I said, I'm gonna stand right here and we're gonna get through this. And so I walked her through the whole process and it took a, a minute, but she got through the whole process and she prayed the whole prayer and, and I left her there. And I, I, my prayer was that, that that took root, that that did something. So we're talking about casting your nets. So we're going back to that. That's the title, casting your nets. The next experience uh, you hear pastor talking about when we lived in Belford Apartments, um, well, it's really rough over there. And we lived on this side, 
and it was some apartments down this way, and it was an older lady, an African-American lady. Um, that lady, she got drunk every day about four o'clock, and she came outside and sat on the stoop and just talked really loud for an hour, hour and a half. She did that every day. And I didn't really get tired of her doing it in the sense of she was getting on my nerves because she was an unsafe person and, and she was just doing what people that's not safe do. But I got tired because I knew she needed the Lord. And so one day I made up my mind. I, I put Moosey in, in the stroller and I, I walked over there to where she was sitting. Um, I didn't want to go up to her door or whatever, you know, on her territory. So I asked her to come where I was. And I was praying, I was like, God, sober this lady up enough where she can understand me. And so she came where I was. And, you know, you, you'd have to know me back then. I was, you know, I was kind of like, well, Anissa and I are, were like the way Anissa is, is the way I was, but worse. Um, as far as shyness or whatever. And so I started just talking to the lady and she did, her eyes got clearer for a few minutes, just enough time for me to share uh, about who Jesus Christ was with her. And um, when I got to the part where I wanted, was gonna lead her in the prayer of salvation, the, the sun was shining real bright and because of the time of day, it was shining directly on her. And so she started acting real weird when, uh, when I got to that part. And she was looking above my head when, when I got to that part, and she was ducking down like that, and she was looking, and she said, oh my God, oh my God, your light is shining bright like that. And I'm standing there, I didn't know whether it was, she was actually seeing something in the spirit, or if she was just, the alcohol was messing with her, and the sunlight, she was getting her stuff mixed up <laughs> with the sun. I, I don't know if she saw something. And then she, ran, she, after she did that, she ran in the house. And I'm standing there like, okay. So that was a really weird experience. Um, the next thing that happened, it was two lesbians that lived above us and one day I came out of our apartment, we lived, on, we lived downstairs, and when I came out of my apartment, one of my relatives was coming from downstairs to where, from where they lived. And I recognized him, and I said, hey, and he, he knew who I was. And I said, what are you doing over here? He said, well, I came to visit uh, my, my cousin. I'm like, who is your cousin? So he told me who she was, and I found out that one of the, they were, they were married. One of the ladies that was living above us that was a lesbian was related to my cousin. So after that, I wrote her a letter and shared the gospel with her. And so that leads me to say, an introvert is someone who is shy, quiet, and prefers to spend time alone rather than often being with other people. Just because you're an introvert, it is not an excuse not to share your faith. An extrovert is an energetic person who enjoys being with other people. <clears throat> and you don't have to be concerned on either side. And the reason is, is because 
Jesus gave not one introvert that's a born-again believer an excuse not to share the gospel and win the loss because they are quiet, quiet or shy. Nor does he give the extrovert the license to think they can win the loss just because they can talk and have charisma. Our job is to um, depend on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is what levels the playing field. How do all believers, introverts and extroverts, share the gospel and win the lost? The Bible says that the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. That's in 1 Corinthians 3 and 19. There is no amount of human intellect or skills sufficient to accomplish the work of God effectively. It is not by might nor by power or abilities of our own, but by the Spirit of God that we will live fruitful lives in the Lord's service on this earth. Zechariah 4 and 6 says, So he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Human might and power and strength are not sufficient to accomplish the work of God on the earth. It takes the presence, the enablement, and the power of the Holy Spirit to fulfill thy will be done on earth. So the only way that I could do that and step out like that was through the Holy Spirit helping me, the strength of the Holy Spirit. And that's what you have to be dependent on. And it's not through charisma. It's not through your own fleshly efforts. It's through divine assistance that comes directly from the Lord. And I want to say, if I can do it, you can do it. Anybody can do it. Amen. Um, the one who stimulates all national and personal revival as well as all effective ministry is the Spirit of God. So the only one that can make you successful and victorious in reaching others for Christ and having your own personal revival, your own uh, come to Jesus meeting, uh, like I say, is um, the ministry of the Spirit of God, the third person of the Godhead. As Jesus anticipated his own return to heaven, he told his disciples that it was good for, him, for them that he go because from heaven he would send the Holy Spirit to be with them and in them always. Okay? A lot of times we think, um, we, we just try to share our faith with people haphazardly. And, and when I think back on all of the, the, the times that I have had success, sharing my faith, it was the times that I asked the Holy Spirit, okay, who to go to, uh, who, you show me who I need to speak with, you show me what to tell them and what to say to them, and he helped me be very strategic and keep the devil out of my business as it pertains to ministering to them. Um, that's why you need to depend on him. He, he helps you know, because you know the devil is very uh, um, conniving, and, and he's just waiting and watching for your next move. He don't want you ministering to nobody. He don't want you sharing Christ with people. And so he's waiting at every point. He has demons on assignment, waiting on every point to destroy every attempt that you're trying to make to minister to other people. So you have to be savvy. You have to be more savvy than he is. And you have to interact 
and depend on the Holy Spirit, letting him lead you into all truth, letting him tell you exactly what to do so that you can snatch those people out of the devil's grasp. Amen. He's going to fight you tooth and nail. And so John 16, 7 through 9 says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin, because they do not believe in me. So it is not of your own accord that we, you minister to people. It is not out of your flesh that you should minister to people. It is not necessarily just because you feel like it. Now, you can hand out church cards and invite people to church, but it said right there in the scripture, it says that, and when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and righteousness and of judgment of sin because they do not believe. So it's his work. So why not let him do his work instead of you doing it on your own? That's where your strength is. That's where your courage is. That's where your boldness is. A lot of times when we're ministering to people, we think we're doing it ourselves. That's where the fear is coming from. But if you're totally relying on him and know that he's going to do the work that he said he's going to do, it's, it doesn't fall back on you. It takes the pressure off of you. And it puts the pressure where it goes. And that's on him. And he's going to perform what he says he's going to perform. It's not about what you do. It's about what he's doing through you, okay? And the Holy Spirit helps guide you in a way where the adversary can't see you coming, okay? So we're talking about uh, casting, cast out your nets, casting out your nets. And so those things that happened, those were the first three times that I attempted to share Christ. Now, neither one of those people that I know of, like at that moment, came to the Lord. I didn't see the fruit of it. I don't know what God did in their lives uh, after that, but I didn't see the fruit of it. But when a fisherman goes fishing and they're casting out the nets, you know, if that's their, in, if that's their employment, is, if that's their job, they don't get discouraged because they go out one day and there's nothing out there. They go back again, and they cast the net again. And they go back the next day, and they cast the net again, because that's their job. And so many times, you know, we wallow in self-pity, and we let ourselves get discouraged, and we get all in our feelings, oh, it's not working. Yes, it is. It's, it's, it's Jesus didn't reach everybody that he ministered to. So how dare we think we are? The Son of God didn't reach everybody that he ministered to. The Bible says that he went to his own, and his own, even his own didn't receive him. So how arrogant is it of us to get discouraged just because we minister to five people and they don't respond? You keep casting the net. And eventually, God's going to see to it because of his word, because his word can't lie, that somebody's going to come. Somebody's going to come. Somebody's going to receive the word that you're casting out, right? Okay. And so, you know, you, I tried that five times and it didn't work. I'm discouraged. What about the book of Acts that we're reading during our fast? Man, did you see all the stuff that they did and all the stuff that they went through? 
if they had the mindset that we have about ministering to people, they would have never started the first church. They wouldn't have gone anywhere beyond their front door. But they did all of that, and, and we, we, we uh, have the benefits of everything that they did because they didn't let themselves get discouraged. And they were, they were being beheaded. They were being crucified. They were being hung upside down. They were being boiling oil. There was, was all kinds of stuff going on. But, you know, so we got to stop babying ourselves, roll our sleeves up, and be about the Father's business. So I say to you, no, keep casting your nets. Don't worry about the catch. The net drags in all kind of stuff. Um, and I, I kind of got this from a, uh, a little something that I read. It says, by catch, it's called by catch, when you drag in fish and everything else that comes in the net. By catch occurs because the nets also trap everything larger than the net's mesh, which includes juvenile fish, sharks, seabirds, marine turtles, whales, dolphins, and so on. So all of that stuff is not our concern. When, when those ladies didn't come, or when I didn't see the fruit of that immediately, that's not my concern. My concern is what the Father told me to do, and that is cast the net. Amen. So what pastor is trying to do, you know, we've been duped this this. Um, whole church culture that we live in right now is nothing like the culture looked 30 years ago. It's, it's completely different. Uh, the enemy came in and just wiped out all of the, the convictions that the church had years ago. And so pastor's putting us up on game. That's, that's what's going on right now in our church. He's putting us up on game. He's hipping us to what we're really supposed to be doing. And he's putting that pressure on us so that we can do it. All right? Um, and so I kind of Googled what putting you up on game was. I looked in the Urban Dictionary. And it says, to tell someone new or uninformed how to survive in their environment, who to respect, who to get, well, it says get over on, and overall, how to win. And when I saw that, I was like, okay, how to win the winnable. He's putting you up on game to help you win the winnable, right? That's what he's doing to, with us. The second definition is to tell you how it is and how it will be. And then it gave a little example of it in a sentence. Let me put you up on game, homie, before you get your head took off by these cats. That's what it said. All right, so pastor's putting us up on the game. He's letting us know. And even though it's at this point, even in the church, witnessing and sharing your faith is countercultural. Ain't that something? The very Christ that we sing about, that we preach about, that we teach about, that we say we live for, we got to be put up on game about sharing the Christ that we say we love. That is, that's crazy. That is an oxymoron in itself. Doesn't even make sense. But nevertheless, our pastor is putting us up on game, and he is not, I'm telling you, I'm telling y'all, he's not coming down off of it. Like, this is, that, that, I've watched Pastor for 32 years, and that has always been the drive of who he is. When, we, when I first married him, 
I, I thought he might be an evangelist. It, it, that, that was, that's always been the drive of who he is. And so um, that's our difference. And, I, and I've been hearing that over the last couple weeks. What is our difference? What, what is our difference as a church? What is our difference? What, what makes us different? And so your difference in any organization, in any business, is what makes you successful. You're encouraged in business to come up with a niche so that you won't look like everybody else. And so God gives every church an assignment and gives them a niche. Ours is evangelism. That's the kind of pastor you have, and you might as well get ready and roll up your sleeves and do it because that's what we're here for. Amen. Um, so I had down here, why will our efforts work? Um, what makes an organizational business successful, in our case, victorious, is our difference. Compare and contrast to all of the, the other churches. And I'm not saying that there are other churches that are not doing it, but I'm just going to tell you, the last time that I even got a flyer from a church at my doorstep was in 2015. I've had nobody approach me about, you know, asking me that I know the Lord, handing me anything from a church anywhere. 2015 was the last time I remember even getting a flyer at our home about come to church, you know, come get to know the Lord. So nobody's doing it. So that's our difference. And that's why he's encouraging us to do it. Okay. And more importantly, our commitment to acknowledge and obey the word of God, um, and I'm referring to Mark 16 and 14, um, where I, what I started off with. <clears throat> Obedience to God's word turns the word of God into a weapon to win. Hebrews 4 and 12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit and the joints and the marrow and the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So how do we know we're going to be victorious in winning others for Christ? Because the word says so. And we're obedient to the word. And the word is a double-edged sword. And it's powerful. And it's piercing. Even to the division of the soul and spirit. It's a promise because the word says it. Okay? So um, I had one more testimony that I wanted to share with you. And Sunday when I was... Uh, praying, I was talking about the, signs, the parts of the, the ministry that we do that signs, wonders, and miracles. And so um, I, I, I asked the Lord, you know, because I, the thing that I see in the book of Acts is they were not ashamed. You know, Peter and all of the apostles, they, they went out in the street and they ministered to people and they weren't ashamed. They knew that they had the answers. They knew, they, they knew that they had what those people needed. And so we, we're going to get back to that. We got to get back to that. We're going to get back to that. And I'm just saying, you know, y'all can drag your feet. You can drag your feet and play it slow, but we're going to get back to that as a church. We're going to end up being, I'm, I'm telling you prophetically, that we're going to end up having events where all of us 
those that are willing, will be laying hands on the sick and seeing recovery. We are gonna be technicians casting out devils and setting people free. That's where those, you know, we're praying for the 25 signs, wonders, and notable signs, wonders, and miracles. It's not going to just come from pastors. It's going to come from all of us participating in the move and the work of God in this end times, uh, uh, time and season that we in before Jesus comes back. And I've been standing in prayer. We're, we're here for such a time as this. We are here for such a time. I don't care if you don't. I'm saying we are here for such a time as this. You could have been born in 1930. You could have been born in 1940. You could have been born in 1950. You know, where that was your, I'm, I'm saying that was your time on earth. But you're here in 2024 before the return of Christ. And what should the church look like before the return of Christ? The book of Acts. The book of Acts. Getting as many people into the kingdom as we possibly can, using every means and method that we can come up with. Amen. So, I was at a HEB one day, and I had been praying, God, please use me. Let me lay hands on somebody. Please, God, snotting and crying, laying on the floor. So, anytime you ask God that, he's going to give you an opportunity. And more than likely, especially if you're new it, you're not going to like it. So, I went inside the HEB. I was just minding my business. And there was a woman sitting by the door in a wheelchair. And I got the butterfly feeling when I saw her. He's like, okay, here's your opportunity. I'm like, you know, and then the grocery store, people come in and out, it's busy. Like, it was, that was, that's the prime time spot in the grocery store. And I was like, Lord, now, and you know, either you're going to do it or you're not. This is what you asked for. I mean, that's what I'm thinking. Either I'm going to do it or I'm not. So I had to make a quick decision, okay. And... The thing that I know about God, that is if, if you ask for something and he keeps giving you opportunities and you don't act on the opportunity, he's going to stop giving you opportunities. And I didn't want that to happen because I had been pleading. So I went up to the lady and it, I just had all these images in my head. I heard horror stories of people that lay hands on people that are in wheelchairs and have them to get up and they fall. Like, that was in my mind. So I was trying, I was like, how bold am I gonna be? You know, I was trying to figure it out. So, but the Lord just led me to, to pray for her. And I prayed for her and I laid my hands on her leg and she said her, her leg, she could feel movement of vibrating in, through her leg, but, I was afraid to go the next step. But my point is, I got out there. I got on out there. And so, and I say again, if I can do it, any person in this room can do it. I promise you that. Don't nobody know me like I know me. 
And I'm telling you, if I can do it, you can do it. And I'm challenging you to do it. Amen? Amen. So, um, you know, and we don't have to be weird about it. <clears throat> the thing that I, that I do not... Um, that I do not believe in is being a granola Christian. Um, we don't have to be granola with it. We don't have to be weird. We don't have to be a bunch of fruits and flakes and nuts. You know, many times people use the weird stuff to avoid the real work of obtaining real fruit. You know, if we can just look deep, we can fake it enough where people will forget we really ain't producing nothing producing after God's own kind. So just take the word of God for what it is. Be authentic. Live in that. Walk in it. Let him grow you. Use what you're learning on this fast time to propel you. Roll your sleeves up and get, let's get ready to go. Um, if we do it together, It'll make it easier. You know, it's like when you, when, you, when you decide to lose weight and you go walking. You always feel better when you got somebody walking with you. So, pastor's exposing this to us during this fast. This is, direct, this is the direction for the church. This is where we're going. He ain't going to stop. So, be praying about that and getting yourselves ready for that. Getting yourselves ready. Put yourselves out there. And I'm telling you, when you do it, if you believe that God's word cannot lie, even if you don't see fruit the first time, the second time, the third time, the fourth time, you're going to see fruit because God's word says it. And, um, and I, that's more so for the people that have not really gotten their hands. Now, some of us have, you know, experienced some of those things. And I encourage you to do it even the more speed it up because that's the direction that our church is going in amen um that's what i have for tonight that's 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 what i wanted to exhort you in tonight